0: In today's episode, we talk to Dave Silibro, Chief Growth Officer at Harvest ROI. Dave digs deep into CRM implementation. He walks us through the choice to focus more on CRM implementations as a service for the agency. And we talk through his team's definition and approach to systems implementation or migrating between systems. We then pivot to data and its role in successful implementations. How does he ensure clean data when rolling out a new system for a client? And how does data enable departmental handoffs? And finally, what can other firms learn from Harvest ROI's pivot to CRM implementation? Should they be looking to build a similar offering for themselves? What do they need from a team, skills, tools, and process perspective to make it happen? Agency Unfiltered starts right now. Awesome. All right, Dave. Welcome uh, to an, uh, this episode of Agency Unfiltered. Thanks for dialing in remote. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. So this will be a unique episode based on your background. We'll do half interview, half concert. You've prepared a few songs for us. I've been led to believe. Or... <laughs> I've, I've had a couple. If you like, uh, yeah. if you like banjo music. <laughs> uh, of course. Who doesn't? Um, where are you dialing in from? Give us some. Uh, give us some. Some geolocation. So I'm in. I'm just outside of Cleveland, Ohio,
1: um, and our agency is a is a 100% remote agency. So we've got team members in New Orleans, um, D.C., Virginia, Maryland, and even one in France.
0: That's great. Yep. All yeah. right. Yep. Getting universal with it. I love that. Yep. Um, also, I have been to Cleveland. Awesome city as well. Um, yeah. We're here to talk today, uh, I've been led to believe, about CRM implementation, and I think what what you and the Harvest ROI team did, which is pretty unique, is that it was a very intentional pivot over to systems implementation, CR implementation, et cetera. And so maybe the best place to start is to provide context around that pivot uh, and, and the why behind it, uh, and we'll impact from there.
1: Yeah, sure. So so before I was, a, or, or I should say Harvest was a, um, a HubSpot agency, we were a, a growth consulting agency. And so we spent, a, you know, I spent most of my career, uh, like as a sales leader, working internationally as a CMO for financial services companies. So I had a lot of um, experience on the client side, pivoted over to doing growth strategies for companies where, you know, we would literally we would literally work with them on, you know, redefining their brand positioning, their product positioning based on their based on their target audiences and, and buyer personas. Um and then really working through their their processes um, throughout the entire, you know, customer buyer's journey. Right. So how they sure. how they went from, you know, the, the, the typical funnel analysis, right, of how they became aware and then what the communications point looked like. Um, and then, you know, helping to define sort of those those macro and micro processes throughout the buyer's journey. Um And one of the things that that led us to HubSpot was, you know, once we once we built out a a comprehensive growth strategy for for a client, how did they implement it? What were they going to do? And and most of them needed a good system for implementation. And and it really led us to HubSpot. And then that sort of led to the pivot of, you know, instead of doing growth strategies, most most people really have or most companies get stuck in their processes. Right. How do you define Um, a frictionless process, and and that's again a question we ask a lot in in our scoping is, do you have a defined you know marketing and sales process and defined handoffs, and and you know the the answer we get is well, we have processes but how do you define documented? Sure, <laughs> yeah, mean, that's never that's never good. Yeah, <laughs> right. yeah, and, and so so that sort of led us into becoming a HubSpot. Really, RevOps focused agency helping clients with with the CRM as sort of the
0: center of their universe. Love that. Yeah, documentation so key. It, it feels like if you have well documented processes, whatever system you're bringing in will work for you, and, and maybe not the other way around. Right. Correct. Um, so uh, let's let's dig into it. Like, what does HubSpot implementation mean to you? Like, what's your team's approach from uh migrating from system A to HubSpot or or implementing fresh like what what does that process entail
1: So yeah great great question so the way that we we really define what we do is is we work with what we consider startups and scale ups and we either help them with an implementation which is you know setting up a CRM from scratch for for especially like a startup going to a scale up who's never really used a a CRM or a platform before holistically um, sure. We'll also do migrations where we move them from another CRM platform like Salesforce um, and then optimizations where they're already HubSpot customers. Maybe they're working with a marketing agency, but haven't really defined that handoff to sales and what they what happens to a lead. How do they close a lead? Right. Is the yeah. lead qualified? Um, so. You know really that that's sort of what we do and and we like the implementation piece because it's it's really a true startup to scale up milestone and allows us to to work with a blank canvas and help the client build a really solid foundation for for future sales success
0: right and and building a good solid foundation is how you scale yeah I'm glad you brought up that third pillar. The so we talk about implement, we talk about migrate, the optimization piece. Um, I would imagine that that comes up uh, quite frequently as well. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but regardless of each of those three, we'll say like service offerings or pillars mm-hmm. or approaches, I would imagine that that data plays a significant role, right? So how do reg- maybe it's different for each one of those categories, but how do you ensure these clients, these folks that are either moving to HubSpot or or need optimization around HubSpot, how do you ensure that they they have clean data uh, in HubSpot?
1: Um, you know, we, we start most of our engagements with a um, uh, what we call a process discovery workshop, right? And what, what we're really looking to do is document the buyer's journey as they see it. And that mm-hmm. really allows us to, to start looking at it and ask a lot of questions where we might identify friction points. Like what happens here? What happens here? What data needs to be here? What data needs to be collected? Um, and once we go through that, that discovery workshop, we'll just, we'll kind of build that out. How long out does and,
0: that process take? Sorry. How long um, does that
1: process take? Typically it used to take um, pre COVID. We would go on site and do this with like all the, all the shareholders in a conference room and we would do it in about a day and a half. And now sure. we, we try to chunk that into like three or four, three hour sessions with, with the key stakeholders, right? It's a little, it's a little trickier to do it um, remotely um, because you just can't ensure everybody's paying attention
0: like they are in a conference room. Yep. Yep. Um, and you're not all so- eating the same lunch, right? I would imagine that the, the food situation is probably a little different too. <laughs> yeah, definitely different.
1: But so so we'll do that and we'll turn that into a process. And what that really does, it starts to help us create a visualization tool for the client to start to to actually visualize what their sales process looks like. And you know, once you see that in front of you, then we know what questions to ask. Where are we missing um, you know, what data needs to be collected during, you know, what data needs, th- does each team need for a handoff? Like to go from marketing to sales. We usually call this um, lead IQ, right? Where Ooh. where a lead uh, or an MQL needs it both intent and qualification. That's kind of how we define lead IQ as intent and qualification to become an SQL. And if they lack either, they're really not a good sales qualified lead, right? So what qualifications do they need, you know, to be handed off here? Um, yeah. what are, what are sort of the discovery, um, uh, properties or the discovery data that the team needs to be able to say, yes, this is, this is our client and we want to continue to move because there's always, there's always sort of a post qualification for the sales team yeah, where they just ensure this is a hundred percent fit. And then there's the scoping piece and then, who do they hand that off to? There's, you know, an onboarding team, and and typically we'll want to see all of that. So when we when we go in and we understand what data is required after that process, we'll look at the data they give us, mm-hmm. and you know we'll look for a couple of things. We're going to look to see does the data does the data um, we're gonna we're gonna look at the data for a, a couple of different things, right? We're gonna to look to to cleanse and normalize the data, so you know, a lot of data comes in from different sources. So the naming conventions are different and the naming conventions could mean the same things. Certain things could be collected in two different properties and two different systems. So really just taking all of the data, combining the data, cleansing the data, normalizing the data, just so we can start to identify the gaps on, on, you know, where the data is in that buyer's journey and, and what's missing. Um, and then look for the opportunities for where can we enrich this data? And then most importantly, does the data that we're bringing in even represent the direction they're going in in terms of sales and marketing? Because we find that um, historically people hold on to data like it's <laughs> like you hold on to your loose change in a piggy bank, but you sure. never yeah. really yep. turned it into cash. Um, it's sort of the same thing, like people will just bring in data from other systems like a like a junk drawer, right? And just pile just that data, data for in. data's sake. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Data's, data for data's sake. And we want we want to really just remove the clutter. We want to organize their data in a way that it's meaningful to them. They know where they are in a sales process or how they were dispositioned or if they were dispositioned. Is there an opportunity to enrich that data? So that so that we're really starting with a good clean data set
0: when we when we start the implementation. Yeah, that's great. Uh, yeah, so it sounds like a very simple process. There's not a whole lot to it, huh? Um, no, it's facetious. It's, it's, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, with the process discovery workshop, the one, like how how consultative of a role do you play? Like how much do you speak versus how much do you listen? Like obviously you want to learn as much as you can, but how often is what they're giving you not enough or inaccurate, right? Like is it more of a consultative opportunity? Or are you just trying to capture what they think is already going well? Does that make
1: sense? Oh no, it's a it's a hundred percent a consultative opportunity, yeah. right? And and we let the client lead by telling us what their existing sales process is. And it and it always leads into sort of like almost like investigative journalism. It's like, yeah, okay, sure. so why do you do that there? And what's the significance of that? And do you do this piece here? Do you collect this information here? And you know, once we start to get sort of a, a skeleton of a, of a process, then you know where to start asking the questions, and that's how we identify gaps in the process.
0: Yep, that's great. So you shake out the piggy bank. You all right? These are buttons, not coins. These are the quarters. You want to keep these? So you help clean right. that up. Right. This is that's this great. is right. Canadian money. To so try and follow your, I'm I'm following your metaphor. Um, yeah. The other question I have, I I loved uh, Lead IQ. Uh, I think it was an in, intent in, in qualification to get from marketing to sales. I don't think sales to services gets enough love. What are the data points that you tend to see work well for clients that want a better sales to services handoff? So
1: I don't know that we define it as sales to services, right? I think, I think we look at it as, you know, marketing's handing off to sales. And then and then typically what we see in sales, Kevin, is the sales team doing too much heavy lifting. Most companies mm. have their sales team doing lead, lead prospecting, qualification, scoping, everything. And that's when sales teams just completely like they give up. They don't want to adopt the system. They don't want to play because sure. we're, asking, we're asking sales teams to do too much of the, of the data um, enhancement. And this is really where sales yeah. is best served by breaking it, it up into like a, an SDR, BDR team in the front to collect all that further yep. qualification data before handing it off to sales and and really letting sales do the the quote unquote scoping so they have all sure. the information that when this when the deal gets handed off to their, like you said, their customer success team or a fulfillment team or an operational team, there is no dropping of that baton, right? So yep. they they've got they've got a seamless handoff so that the the team can just pick up and
0: run from there. That makes a lot of sense. Do you, do you find uh, the clients that you work with? Do you help them uh, segment out their sales organization? So like a BDR versus like an account exec? Like, do you help them make that change? Is that the level of change you're bringing? Or is that like a qualifier? for the types of businesses that you do want to help. You know what I mean? No, we, we, we do both. Right. I mean, we'll
1: work with, we'll work with most sales organizations and, you know, when you're talking about startups and scale ups, sometimes they don't have the budget yet for SDRs. So you, you, you want to help them at least understand that, you know, for a sales team to be successful, they need, they need the best opportunities served to them to, to basically to scope into close. Right. Yeah. And, and in, in my past life being a, a sales leader and a CMO, you know, we did some research on the leads that we were getting in. And, you know, I was in the financial services business, so we could look at things like qualifications. But when we did a data audit and we we appended our data with third-party data, we found that literally nine out of 10 opportunities that we were giving to our salespeople, they had zero chance of closing, right? So hmm. 90% of their day was spent chasing leads that they could never close, right? So this is this is one of the the more yeah. important factors we want to bring to organizations is really thinking through that that intent and qualification. What are those knockouts, and teeing their their sales team up for success um, makes a whole lot of The things. other thing that, and we use this analogy a lot with companies is really looking at service level agreements between each department each departmental handoff, right? Yeah. And we liken this to you know the the customer journey is it's not a sprint you don't do it in one quick run it's not a marathon it shouldn't take you know <laughs> it it shouldn't be 24 miles it's it's somewhere in between and it's more like a relay race right where each each team member each team gets to sort of sprint their piece but that handoff is carefully choreographed right where the baton yeah. is being handed off and people are running together for three or four steps and the next guy takes off and you know, then the next handoff happens. And when that's done seamlessly, you've got, you know, you're running long distances, right. In, in really quick time. And and that's really how we try to, to set up a process so that when those handoffs are made, that baton isn't dropped because in reality, it's not a baton. These are people we're talking about. And these are people or, or potential customers with expectations that they were given by marketing on what the sales process would look like, or expectations from sales on their experience post-sale, or what the product was yeah. going to be, and if that baton is dropped anywhere in that process, it's just it's a it's a bad sales experience, and it, you yeah. end up with frustrated, the game over.
0: Yeah, frustrated yeah. customers. Um, you brought up an interesting point about putting too much on sales plates will deter them from ever adopting the tools, and I would imagine that. Like one of the key metrics of this whole thing is frontline user adoption, right? So, do you have any other anything anything else formally installed in this implementation plan to ensure uh, frontline user adoption or like rep adoption of the new tools?
1: Um, yeah. So, so typically, what we'll do is is as we're you know maybe thirty days out from from launch of a of an implementation then we'll start bringing in the sales team we'll put them through um, you know some of the hubspot recommended training like you know hubspot sales software certification Um, and it's really it's it's such an easy lift it's only a couple hours it helps them get familiar with the tools so that when we come in and we train them on the sales process they're already familiar with the tools right we also try to to get them to take the frictionless sales certification 'Cause it, it just puts them in the right like mindset of what we're trying to achieve
0: with them, right? So to so you introduce and, them to a lot of Kyle Jepson, it sounds like. Yeah, a lot of Kyle I, Jepson courses.
1: Kyle's become my hero, dude. His 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 daily you know I mean? both. Yeah. His daily LinkedIns are just they, they're awesome. Like our team looks at those every day and we're like, Oh, this is a great topic to cover. This is a great thing to bring up with our clients. So
0: yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's it's a great level of granularity. It really is. You know what I mean? Of like some cool use cases. Um, I think he'll appreciate the plug on this for sure. He definitely deserves it. Yeah. Um, he's awesome. um, But that's great. It sounds like a lot of self-paced on-demand training. So when they open this stuff up for the very first time, they've built some of that fundamental like click path knowledge or like functional knowledge of the tools.
1: Yeah. But, okay. you know, it's hard to find a, a sales rep or a BDR or somebody out there who's who's worked in sales for any period of time who hasn't worked in a CRM platform. Yeah. And most of them are literally horror stories. Right. So, you know, I, I look at I look at, you know, an, another HubSpot competitor who does a lot of CRM and and most of those are done by administrators, right? So technical administrators who build out that platform right. without, without the fundamental knowledge of what a sales process should look like or how to help the client really define a frictionless sales process. And it's, okay, what data do we need? And, and this is where you go back to the, hey, our system's gonna collect data for data's sake. And there's a million data points without a clearly defined process on how those data points get collected. And and we always say, like, if there's if it can't be collected within a defined process, it's probably a property you don't need to have, right? It's probably some information yep. or data point you don't need to have because if you only collect it fifteen percent of the time, you it, it's not actionable intelligence, right? It's just it's data exactly. for data's sake. And that
0: really leads to the the lack of adoption from a sales team. Um let me ask you this. On, on this type of show, I always love to hear the, uh, the stumble moments or like where you may have skinned your knees. So what can, uh, what can other partners learn about you and your team's pivot to, from, a, uh, I think it was a growth consulting to CR implementation? Like any, any, any lessons learned there that they can be proactive about if they want to introduce this to their own, to their own prospects and clients?
1: Um, yeah, I guess so. I, I, think, I think for us, we just, instead of taking the typical, and again, I'm not trying to slam the typical inbound approach because I think inbound is, is brilliant and I'm a I'm 100% subscriber, but most of the clients that we're going to get aren't coming from an inbound world, right? So the adoption of that inbound men- mentality takes a while. So we usually have more of a a bottom up or middle out approach where we say, okay, you guys already have leads. You already have data. So let's look at, you know, let's look at, at your, you know, how are we, how are we distributing the leads? Who do they go to based on skills, wills, like what's the, what's the rules that define lead distribution? Um, Are you, are you keeping the leads on a leash? Right. And what I mean by that is, you know um i think i saw in one of another agency unfiltered somebody had mentioned like the difference in, and i think this is awesome right because a lot of people struggle with what's the difference between a, a lead status and a life cycle stage right where a lead yeah. status is is there to help define the activities needed to to move a lead forward and a life cycle yeah. stage is really where they are in that qualification process right so mm-hmm building, Bill, helping them, helping them to sort of take that approach of, okay, well, let's first figure out we have leads. Why aren't we closing them? What do we need to do to, to better ensure that we're following a, a process of, Hey, every lead that comes in, we need to contact them within this amount of time. We need to make X amount of attempts. And before we, we say we give up on this lead and say a lead sucks, like let's, let's disposition that lead with with some, you know, not just with a long sort of diatribe of why we couldn't close the lead, but let's categorize the disposition reasons, right? So is it is it, was it our pricing? Is it, um, is it a budget issue? Is it a co- competitive issue? Is it a timing issue? So that the lead can then go back to marketing and then we can nurture them based on a value proposition or competitive differentiators Correct. or you know uh, fear of missing out right like like Mm -hmm. there's a lot of different approaches that you can take but that's all part of the data enhancement or the data enrichment process of the sales cycle
0: yeah no i mean just nurturing those closed lost deals knowing why the deal was lost it's so impactful it's a really great point um yeah and and again this this sort of brings that team together again in that analogy
1: of running that relay race. Is they all need each other right and and most organizations marketing thinks they you know Sales is the problem. Sales thinks marketing's the problem, and everybody's pointing fingers. And they all, they all just need to align their vectors to point in the same direction.
0: Yep, totally. Um, Dave, Let me ask you this: Should every traditional marketing agency or, or growth agency be doing this? Uh, is it should this be the new table stakes? Why or why not? And and what what do they need in place? If I've never done an implementation or a migration uh, from crma to hubspot like what do i need to put in place to to be able to do it
1: i i don't think every agency needs to do this kevin honestly i think i think the way that hubspot's moved forward with partner collaborations and and really building out their the 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 ecosystem is they're really making it possible for agencies to to specialize right so Marketing agencies can be marketing agencies and yeah. rev ops and sales focused agencies like us can stay in our swim lane. And, um, you know, a, a web developers can stay in their swim lane and we can all collaborate and work together to deliver the best um, the best experience for a client. Right. And I think once we start moving out of our area of expertise for the sake of putting our arms around everything,
0: we lose that ability to be really great at what we do. Yep. So it sounds like we should maintain differentiation based on true expertise.
1: Yeah, like we we love collaborating with good web developing yeah. web development agencies or marketing agencies. It's a great fit. It allows them to to really bring in their area of expertise, us work together to ensure seamless handoffs and making sure the web development is the the platform is solid and um, we really get the best of all worlds when we work together and, and don't work in,
0: in silos. Sure. No, that's totally fair. Um, maybe this is this may be a question for folks who do want to offer this as a service or do currently, uh, but they want to be more profitable with it. Uh, how How do you guys think about the pricing structure for one of these things? I would imagine it takes a lot of hours. There's probably a lot of distinctions, like levers to pull based on size of a migration, number of users that have to be trained, how many integrations, like what are the levers you pull to price these types of projects out accurately? Um, so, so again, if there's an implementation, we want to do the
1: discovery workshop. So we, we yeah. price that separate. We You know, cause to, to us, that's a consultative opportunity that allows totally. us to really to go forward. The data we have to, you know, we have to get a feel for how much data we're really looking at. I mean, we've had clients that have said, Oh, here's a hundred, you know, contacts and, and data, you know, records that we have. And we've had clients that are like, here's a half a, half a, half a million. Sure. Right. And, and it just takes time, right. The, the larger, the data set that you're having to cleanse and normalize, the more time that's going to take. And, and I think that's a value that really needs to be sold to the client. You know, like, like one of the things we'll even do is like, before we import the data, Let's just get rid of all the bad data you can't even communicate with, right? So yeah. if we've got bad email addresses, run them through and never bounce. Get them out, right? Start to, start to look for your, your, early, your early wins in terms of data cleansing, right? Yep. Is, is this an industry that you guys no longer want to pursue? Take it out, right? Start, start by not being afraid to get focused data because focused data will allow
0: you to, to have a focused
1: marketing and sales approach.
0: So step one to improving efficiencies. There's some quick wins there for cleansing right. the data early, early, right before you even make the migration. Yeah, that's helpful. Yeah,
1: and then you know the other pieces we we have to look at are you know is this a is this a an enterprise um, sort of implementation? So for us, a lot of most of our sales implementations are enterprise, just because mm-hmm. the tool set between Pro and Enterprise. Is is worth every dollar in the upgrade, right? Whether they're whether they have ten sales seats or five sales seats, really the value set in sales enterprise is there, because um, you know we like we we look at things like in the in the process and in the automation of how do we how do we help a client? You know the goal is shorten sales cycles, increase sales velocity and conversion yeah. rates. All of those things lead to a higher ROI, right? Which is where we get our name, right? A higher ROI and, and quicker wins, and yeah. So the goal for us in in any of our implementations is shortening the sales cycle, increasing their sales velocity, and improving their their profitability and their ROI, right? And we we do that by removing the friction points. We look at automating um, as many things as we can. In HubSpot's got amazing automation tools, and they just they get better every day. I mean, every time we go in to build an automation, our team goes. Have you seen that before? That's sure. new. Yeah. And we, we leverage it and then we go back to other clients and we, we improve on processes, right? But, but, it, but sounds like,
0: it sounds like Sales Hub Enterprise with the functionality that you get in the Enterprise SKU is uh, of utmost importance for you to enable a lot of this stuff. Is that what, is that what you're yeah. saying? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. And so, so to us, that's important. Um, And then, and then, you know, it's really the whole suite, right? Because marketing is there for all the, like, as we're dispositioning, this puts them in nurturing, right? And, and service to me is, is an often sort of overlooked hub in HubSpot that people like, ah, we don't need it. We don't need ticketing. We use Zendesk, right? But, but the question is, you know how are they leveraging a knowledge base right because knowledge bases are they're amazing they're great for yeah. not just great for customers to find information but to use them as sort of like internal wikis on how the system works and how the system was developed and training videos so that as they so onboard new sales reps and new team members the training we've done is memorialized in the knowledge base right so that piece to me is huge and then you know, you've got tools like NPS surveys that check customer health and and um, satisfaction to the CSAT surveys, which you know all of that. To be quite honest, creates fantastic feedback loops that help you iterate on your processes, your products, and 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 head off um, any potential bad digital tattoos you can get from a from a terrible review. You hit yeah. them off at the pass with the tool. Yeah, so, get ahead of them. So,
0: I mean, that just it it just really does speak to this idea of it being a, a relay race with baton handoffs, right? Not a sprint nor a marathon. Um Yeah. So for us it's not just the sales hub, it's it's really how the sales hub
1: right. CRM piece really works with marketing and with the service pieces um, yep, to really make a good. more holistic platform. Um
0: uh, Dave, I only have one final question for you. Um we try sure. and wrap every episode with this uh so it's a little curveball. What's the weirdest part of agency life?
1: The weirdest part of agency life um really it's been it's it's been since covid, right? It's it's not seeing sure. customers in person. It's with having an office in your home and and <laughs> not seeing the sun and sunlight. doing
0: workshops but- at home, day and a half long workshops uh remotely.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's, you know, it's, it, it's the constant struggle of running your own business, making sure your pipelines filled all the time and, and, you know, customers are happy. But, um, really it was just, it was just the adjustment, not as much from our end as it, as it was kind of holding our, our clients' hands through this transition to remote work life. And I think I, I watched an interview with uh, Brian before his snowmobile accident. And I hope he's okay. Um, but, you know, one of the things he had mentioned that I thought he was spot on, which is that 2021 was going to probably look a lot more like 2019 in terms of, you know, post-COVID, how are people going to go back to business? But as we, as we start approaching 2022, people are going to go, you know, we were able to really operate efficiently, working remotely with remote teams, allowing us to hire the best sales reps and SDRs and talent from, from all over. Totally. And 2022 starts to go back to look like um, 2020. And I think it's, it's you know, to us, it's, it's sort of us helping shepherd our customers into sort of the new way of thinking about um, their approach to sales.
0: Yeah. I mean, the talent piece of remote first world is so true. You're no longer just drawing a radius around your physical office. It's, you know, it's, it's wherever they may live. That's a really great point. And the yeah. uh, the adjustment to COVID was a pretty pretty weird part of agency life, probably everyone's life. So that's also a fair answer. I think everyone's life, yeah. yeah. Well, Dave, that's that is it for me, my friend. I appreciate you coming on, uh, for for walking us through uh, your your experiences, and your expertise on this subject. Uh, it's been a blast, man. So thanks for coming on. Thanks again for having us, Kevin. Yeah. All right, and then for folks tuning in, this has been another episode of Agency Unfiltered.